Hey, welcome to Church Experience. Thank you so much for joining us today. So glad that you could be here with us today. Week one of our brand new Storyteller Teaching Series. It's going to be a great series. Hope that you could join us each week. We're going to take a closer look at some of Jesus' greatest parables. It's going to be an amazing series. If it's your first time with us, we would love to welcome you. We'd love to connect with you. The best way for us to do that is if you head over to churchexperience.tv connect. It's also a great place to go if you have any questions, any comments, any prayer requests. We'd love to answer those questions, love to get back to you, love to be praying for you, and we would love to connect with you. Well, that being said, I am so excited to kick this teaching series off. So let's all stand. Let's sing some songs of praise to our Heavenly Father.
We thank you, Lord, that you're the one who's conquered it all. It wasn't anything that we could have ever done that would have ever been enough. So, Lord, we're fully reliant on you, our champion, the one who defeated death and hell and the grave. And you reign forever and you choose to live in us. So, Lord, speak through us. Speak through your word. Your word says that scripture is alive and active. And, Lord, as we receive your word today, speak to us and change us from the inside out. And we ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we all have storytellers in our lives, right? Like your cousin who always has a story and every single one of them is crazier than the last story they told. Maybe it's your grandfather who could tell stories all day long and you would never get tired of hearing him tell stories. Maybe it's your coworker at work and she makes you laugh so hard, like day after day, just cracks you up every week. See, we all have storytellers in our lives. And we've all heard a lot of stories. But I would contend that the single greatest storyteller of all time was Jesus Christ. And not only were his stories amazing and engaging, but inside every one of Jesus' parables, there was eternal truth that was buried inside of them. Eternal truth that can absolutely transform your life. And one of the reasons I want you to be a part of this teaching series every single week is because we're going to look at a parable, a new story each week that Jesus told, a new story that has the potential to radically transform, listen, your entire life. These stories are that powerful. So I hope you'll be here every week. I hope you'll share it with some friends. I hope you'll be here so that God could do more inside of your life and all the rest of your life. My house is in the center of our neighborhood, and it happens to be the place where all the kids in the neighborhood come and play. It's just kind of that house, and it's become the place where not only is there a lot of excitement and joy with kids running around, but at the end of the day, it's, it's usually pretty wrecked. Because there's toys everywhere, there's Nerf bullets, there's popsicle wrappers. I can't tell you how many popsicle wrappers I've picked up around our house. And the kids are usually good about helping clean things up and get things back in order at the end of the day. But there was one day I went outside and, and I noticed especially that there was just a lot of stuff in our yard. 
And it, and it wasn't like big toys. It was like small stuff. Like, like I said, Nerf bullets, little wrappers, pieces of trash that may have just even flown into our yard from the neighbor's yard. Just, it's just little stuff, stuff that you might not even see with your naked eye. But I just noticed there's a lot of it. I'm like, all right, kids. Hey, come here. I got, I got, I got a game for you. I got a competition. We're going to split into teams of two. I got four kids. I'm like two kids on each team. And I want you to split up and go opposite directions around the house. And I want to see who can collect the most amount of items that don't belong in the yard. All right? So that's, that's the competition. And had I said, hey, we're going to clean up everything in the yard that doesn't belong here, they would have, they would have said, well, that doesn't sound that fun. But okay, Dad, we'll do it. <laughs> but because I said it was a competition, man, their eyes lit up. They got excited. They're like, all right, let's go. Can we go? I'm like, hold on. Let's do a countdown. They got buckets that they went and grabbed out of the garage. They're ready to go. And and I said, all right, three, two, one, ready, go. Man, they took off running around our house, like picking up anything. A twig that had fallen out of the tree when they were climbing it earlier that day. I mean, anything. They were just looking for stuff that you wouldn't have even seen because they wanted to win. They wanted to get the most amount of items. Because they had a purpose, something that they may have otherwise not enjoyed became a joy for them. When you have purpose, Life gets exciting. Life changes. Things become different. And so many Christians live without purpose. So many Christians are just making it through day to day, week to week, just getting by, surviving life. But listen, the Christian life, the life of a Jesus Christ follower was never meant to be just survival. God has created to you to live for an eternal purpose, a purpose that matters, a purpose that's eternal. In today's story that Jesus told, the parable that we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 15 is a story about purpose, how you can find an eternal purpose, a mission, a mission worth living for. Luke chapter 15, let's look at this week's story. Verse 1. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Imagine a life so lived with purpose that your life literally caused heaven to celebrate. That's the offer inside this story. A life so lived on mission with Jesus that literally heaven is celebrating as the spiritually lost friends in your life come home to Jesus. There's no greater purpose than living for Jesus and living on mission with Jesus. I want you to look closer at verse one that we just read a moment ago. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. 
If you ever wonder if the pure message of Jesus is of interest to your friends, I mean, I know they say they're not interested and I don't want to hear about God, I don't want to talk about religion, but I mean, if you could strip away religion and all their bad experiences and all the poor things that they've read about God or the church on the internet, and if you could just present Jesus, if they could just see a pure vision of Jesus through your life, like, would they be interested? And this story for me answers that question. And, and life experience has answered that question. The message of Jesus, the true message of hope that Jesus brings, the solution for our greatest problems, the answer to our biggest questions, Jesus offers great interest to your spiritually lost friends and mine. And if you ever wonder, do I really have anything to offer the world? Do I have anything to say? And, that, and that's a legit question. I mean, when we're talking about purpose, it's like, do I have anything to bring? You always have one thing. You have Jesus in your story, how Jesus has changed your life. Like, like that's the one thing you can always share. This always the right answer. Jesus. I mean, he, he's, he's the solution for the problems in our world. And underneath the surface of what might look like successful lives of your friends that don't know Jesus, underneath the surface, there's, there's a problem that no amount of accomplishments or success in the world can fix, that no pleasure in the world can, can cover up permanently. It's, there's, there's an underlying need and desire and emptiness that can only be filled by Jesus. And Jesus himself is of interest. I want you to write this, this lesson down today as we get into this message. Jesus is the solution for every sinner. He's the solution for every sinner. And to be honest with you, I wanted to write in that point, Jesus is a solution to every situation. Because calling somebody a sinner is not, not fun, is it? Like, no one wants to call their friend, hey, you're a sinner. That's a little uncomfortable. But the reality is, is that without Jesus, we are all sinners and we're in need of a Savior. And if you take away the sin, if you take away the problem, then why do you need a savior? But we know the reality is, is that we do have a sin problem. It's, it's corrupt inside of us. And without Jesus, we need, we, we need him because without Jesus, we have no hope. It ends in loneliness. It ends in destruction. It ends in eternal separation from God, no matter how great we can paint this life and make it. Without Jesus, we have a sin problem. And we need a solution, and that solution is, is Jesus. Let's look again at this story in verse 2. It says, But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Jesus, you, you welcome sinners. You eat with them. What's up with that? What we learn by this is that Jesus actually cared. He actually cared. He would go on to make a great difference in these people's lives, but it began with, compassion. He cared. Do you care about the spiritually lost people in your life? You know, they, they say that, that they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Do your spiritually lost co-workers, neighbors, friends, family members, do they know how much you care about them? Not just how much you care to convert them, but how much you care about them. Jesus cared about them. He, he injected himself into their lives. He ate with them. It says that he welcomed them. So imagine what that might mean with Jesus. He welcomed them. He shared a table with them, had a meal with them. 
the religious elite, they did not like this. They, they opposed this. Why would Jesus do this? See, if you want to have real long-term sustained motivation for reaching out to spiritually lost people to live on purpose, on mission with Jesus, then, then it's, it has to be a get-to and not a religious got-to. It can't be like a religious checkbox that you have to check off. I mean, I, I've got to do that. Like the pastor's saying, I, got, I need to go out and, and share my faith. That's not going to be sustainable. You might go invite a friend or two to church, but it's gonna, I'm telling you, it's not going to last. Like the only sustainable motivation for you to be on mission, to find your purpose in helping lost people be found, causing heaven to celebrate in the process, is for you to want to because you care. See, when you want to, man, that changes everything. Then you go into whatever it takes mode. We have a guitar player named Mike who's a part of our worship team, and he's been with us since the very beginning. And Mike was not in church, not following Jesus. He saw an ad for a church. He showed up right there at the beginning, started following Jesus, and now he's been playing guitar ever since. Uh, God had healed him in his heart. He had lost his, his wife and he was really in a place of despair in, in many ways when he started coming to the church because uh, he'd had this emptiness in his life from his wife that had passed on. And, and he's found a purpose now because he's found Jesus and he's found what it means to be a part of God's church. And, and I love being around Mike. He's just such a neat guy. And, and, and one day he told me that uh, he was scheduled to play and, and sing in our, in our worship team. And his truck that was sitting out in his driveway, the battery died. And so most people think, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to be there today because my my, my battery's dead in my truck and it's sitting in my driveway so I can't even get my other car out of my garage so I'm just not gonna be able to make it in. But Mike, who's a little bit of an older guy now, literally went out in his driveway and pushed his 6,000 pound truck out of the way himself, literally pushed it out of the way so he could get his car out of the garage so he could get to, to the church to strum some guitar chords to lead people in worship because he knew how powerful it is to worship Jesus. It had changed his life, and he knew, man, I've got to get there, whatever it takes. Pushing a 6,000-pound vehicle out of the way, whatever it takes, it doesn't matter, I'm motivated. And the only motivation that's gonna sustain you to help introduce your friends to Jesus is for you to personally and deeply experience Jesus. See, that's, that's our lasting motivation to share the gospel. It's, it's that we experience the gospel personally. When Jesus has transformed our lives and we see the beauty of what it means to be forgiven of all of our sins because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, to experience the peace and joy that come with the Savior who's now living inside of us, the hope of heaven, with the relationship of God that's brought heaven down here to earth. I mean, once you've experienced that, you can't help but want to help other people experience that same joy. And that's your lasting motivation. You care. You want others to experience what you've experienced. You want to join Jesus on his mission. And make no mistake about it, Jesus' one sentence mission statement found in Luke 19.10, he said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Came to seek and save the lost. That was his fuel. Man, I've so many times been grilling out, and I like to grill out. I've got a little bit out of it lately, um, and, I, and I need to get back into it because I, I just love grilling out. And when I'm in the zone, man, I'll, I'll do it, like, consistently. And I, and, I, and I love cooking out. And, and when I'm really in my rhythm and I'm doing it a lot, man, I'll, I'll wear out the propane. Like, I'll, I'll use it all up, and I'll be right in the middle. I'll be right in the middle of, of, of grilling. 
and, and the propane runs out, the, the flame goes down, and I, I can't finish until I hook up more propane to my grill. It just doesn't matter if all the meat's right there, just looking good. I have the utensils. I'm, I'm ready. The grill is ready. If, if I've run out of fuel, it's a no-go. <laughs> so I'm stuck until I reconnect to the power source. Your fuel, your fuel for evangelism, reaching out to spiritually lost people, is, is the motivation of living for the one who has given his life for you, Jesus. He's your greatest motivation. All that he's done for you, all that you've experienced in him, forgiveness, hope, transformation, that's your fuel. And once you disconnect from that, when, you're, when, when your power runs out, when you start doing it just because it's a religious act, because it's something that you need to do or should do or have to do, you're gonna lose your passion for it. But when you care about others and you want them to experience what you've experienced because you love Jesus so much, that's when you can have a powerful influence in your spiritually lost friends' lives, which leads to this really good question, write it down. Who are my spiritually lost friends? I want you to write that down. I want you to think about it for a moment. Who are my spiritually lost friends? Why don't you go ahead and maybe just write some names down right now. Why don't you just think about it? Because the first step in making a difference in someone's life is you have to name them. Name them. Who, who are those people? And then you need to start praying for them. Praying that God will change their life, change their heart. And they may be far from Jesus and you're like, man, there's no way. <laughs> there is no way that dude at work is ever going to give his life to Jesus. Have you prayed for him? Consistently? See, when you start praying, God goes to work in a special way, spiritually, that, to do things that you can't do. Now, they're ultimately gonna have to make the choice, but God may use you to be a part of planting those spiritual seeds in their life that grow over time. And praying for them is the first step. And I, I get it. Like, I know that there's people in your life and mine that, that are, we consider spiritually lost and for right reason because they are way out there. And you're like, well, I don't know if I should spend time with them because what if I'm influenced um, to, to go in a wrong direction? And if you're concerned about that, then, then yeah, you should be really careful because Jesus did share meals with and welcomed sinners and he spent time with them. But the direction of the influence was flowing from Jesus to them. They were not influencing Jesus to live like the world. He was influencing the world to live like him. And you always need to know what direction the influence is flowing. We're called to influence the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. But we're, we're called to influence it. But if you start letting the, the world influence you, then that's when maybe you might need to take a step back for a season. Not from, totally from sharing your faith, not, not from that, but, but maybe there's certain contexts where you're not strong enough to go into. You're be, you find yourself tempted. You find yourself being drawn in, in the wrong direction. You know, and for many times throughout the Bible, you see ministry happening. It wasn't in isolation. And we, we think, well, I have to go out and lead my friends to Jesus. But it happened so many times in community, like, like Paul and Silas going out on a missionary journey. It was, it was this disciples going out two by two. See, so many times you study the Bible, it was in the context of community and relationship, believers together going to make a difference, to share the message of Jesus. And that's one of the, the beautiful parts about being engaged in God's church and serving in ministry is we together get to share the mission. 
And that's one of the joys of it as well is those relationships that are formed as we serve together. And God exponentially multiplies our impact as we together use our gifts and God works through his church to build up his kingdom, to see the lost found. Let me go back to this story again and look down at verse three. We, we read over this pretty quickly just a moment ago, but I want you to look closer at verse three. It says, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. And I'm gonna just pause there for a moment. So, so Jesus assumes that you would leave the 99 to go after the one. I don't know that all of us would make that assumption. We might say, well, let's cut our losses. And we still have 99% and you can't reach everybody. But you don't hear Jesus throwing in those kinds of cliches, do you? Oh, we can't, we, we can't reach everybody. We can't be perfect. Now he says, it's, it's worth leaving the 99. I know that they're safe. I know that they're in pasture. They're in a good place. They're cared for. It, it's okay to leave them to go after the one because why? Write this down. Everyone matters. That's one of our passions here at Church Experience. Everyone matters. Why? Because they matter to God. So they matter to us. I'm gonna go back to this story again in verse five, it says, and when he finds it, when he finds that lost one, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together. And he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And that's when Jesus goes on to say, this is what makes heaven celebrate. When one lost person turns their life over to Jesus, one person who doesn't get it finally gets it. That's what causes heaven to celebrate. You know, there's a lot of accomplishments that we can live for. And, man, you know, the Bible itself says there's a time for everything. And, and, and there's a lot of things we're celebrating in life, but perhaps the reason you feel like you're lacking purpose is because you have the wrong scorecard. Maybe you're celebrating things in the wrong order. Maybe you get more excited about personal ambitions and goals accomplished than seeing spiritually lost people found. And perhaps a reprioritizing of what you celebrate will lead to more celebrations in heaven. What is it that you get most excited about? What is it that makes you celebrate? I can tell you this. What makes God celebrate is when his lost kids turn their lives over to him. When the spiritually lost come on home and receive the forgiveness and grace of Jesus in their life. That's absolutely what makes heaven celebrate. So what do you celebrate? Well, if you're ready to take a step in this direction, it's a real simple process. And I just want to give you three things that you can jot down and, and go do. One is to identify. That's the first word, identify identify the names of spiritually lost people in your life. They're already there, I guarantee you. Even if you live an isolated life, you're like, man, I work at home, I do school at home, whatever. Like, I'm telling you, they're there. They're around your life, so you need to identify them, look for them. They're there, identify them, and then invest in them. After you've started identifying them and praying for them, invest in them. And, and that, that takes on the form of building relationship, maybe sharing a meal together, spending some time together, getting to know them, praying for them, invest in them. And finally, the third word is, is invite. And invite them to 
a conversation where you share your story about Jesus, how he's changed your life. Invite them to a worship service where you know that they're going to hear about Jesus. Invite them into community, into the context of, of God's church where they can meet some other believers. Make an invitation that can bring transformation. So identify who are those people in your life. Right now, I want you to take a moment and think about it. Who are the people in your life that don't know Jesus that you know? Invest in them and invite them. Someone invited me uh, this last year. His name's Eric. He's a good friend of mine, a part of our church. And he invited me to go to SeaWorld. I'd never been to SeaWorld. And, and uh, he invited me to come and bring the family along. And I, I was excited to go because, uh, like I said, I'd never been to SeaWorld, Florida, that I had remember. I think when I was a child, I may have gone with my parents many years ago. Uh, so I was so excited. My kids had never been. And we show up, and we have a great day at the park. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but toward the end of the day, we, we were really hot. And there was a water ride that we all wanted to get on. And so my, my kids, my four kids, and then Eric and myself, the six of us, got on a ride called Infinity Falls. Now, if you've ever been to SeaWorld, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Infinity Falls is an epic ride. I mean, it's this, this big inner tube that you get inside this big raft, and it, and it goes downhill down these rapids. And, and you're constantly being splashed with all this water. And, and while you're on the ride, like, nobody wants to be in the front, this, this thing is it's constantly rotating down the rapids, and nobody wants to be in the front because if you're in the front, like every time you splash up against one of the walls, all the water splashes into your raft, and if you're in the front, you get soaked. So we're laughing at each other. There's water splashing everywhere. We're making our way down these this rapids, having so much fun, but man, still trying not to be the person in the front. Now, there's nothing you can do to control who's in the front. You just don't want to be there. When we make our way to the, the bottom of this first run, and there's a lift we see that's going to lift us up and drop us into this final run. So we make, of course, the, the wise assumption that whoever's in the front, when you get in this lift, like they're going to have it the worst of anybody. Because they're about to be soaked as we go down this, this final rapids. So we approach the lift, and sure enough, I'm in the front as we, as we slide into this lift. And I'm thinking, oh, no. Man, I am going to get absolutely soaked. And everybody else thinks the same thing. And so they start pointing at me. All my kids are laughing. Eric's laughing. They're like, oh, man, you're in the front. Well, what we didn't realize is that as our raft got locked into this lift, that wasn't the end of the story. Before it lifted us up, it, it turned to secure the raft. It turned literally 180 degrees. So I was in the front. Now I'm in the back. Those who were in the back laughing at me, they're now in the front. They're about to get soaked. Guess who's laughing now? <laughs> That's right. I'm laughing at them. See, it unexpectedly turned a full 180 degrees, and what was in the front was in the back, and what was in the back was in the front. And here's all I'm trying to say. At the end of your life, some things that you think are on the top of the list are going to be on the bottom. And some things that are on the bottom of the list you'll wish had been on the top of your list. Because there'll be that 180 perspective change at the end of your life when you look back and you see that some things are eternal. Some things last. Some things are earthly and were not worth being on the top of your list. And, and this is what I'm trying to get at today. Reaching out to friends who are spiritually lost is one of the most important things that you can put near the top of your list in this life. To be on mission with Jesus. To help spiritually lost people be found. What greater purpose could you live for? We already have established that Jesus says this is what causes heaven to celebrate. Imagine living a life 
that causes heaven to literally celebrate. That's the kind of life that I want to live. That's the kind of life I hope you live. So here's, here's my question to wrap up today's message. Who in your life is spiritually far from God? Who in your life needs the hope that Jesus can offer? The answers to the questions that they have. See, Jesus is the solution for every sinner and for every situation. So who in your life needs to hear the message of Jesus? Identify them. Identify them. Write those names down and start praying for them. Invest in them. Build a relationship with them. Share a meal with them. And then invite them. Invite them into a conversation about Jesus. Invite them into a service where Jesus' name is lifted up. Invite them and see your invitation bring transformation. That's my hope, that you will be on mission with Jesus. And we will see more people experience a full life in Jesus Christ. Right on? Right on. Come on, let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that when we were that lost one, you did not give up on us, but you came looking for us. And Jesus, thank you that you gave your life on the cross 2,000 years ago so we would have no question in how valuable we are to you. You came running after us in that, that hole of sin that we were stuck in. You came not only to forgive us, but to free us so we could live for you, to live on purpose, to live on mission or something that matters. And Jesus, I pray today that you'd get a hold of somebody's heart who's hearing this message, that they would decide that they're through living a purposeless life. They're through just surviving. They're through just getting by, but they wanna be on mission for you. And I pray, God, that you would arrest their soul for you, that Jesus, they would decide, today is the day I'm gonna start living on purpose, on mission. I'm gonna keep my radar up all the time for people in my life that don't yet know Jesus. And And I'm going to identify them and pray for them. I'm going to invest in them and I'm going to invite them into a relationship with Jesus. God, use us to be more effective for your kingdom. Jesus, help us to be on mission so that at the end of our life, when we can see clearly what really matters, when first things are so clearly first, we won't have regret, but we'll be able to look back on a wake of transformed lives because we've been living on mission for you. That's my prayer. It's my prayer for our church. It's my prayer for each one of us today. Is that Jesus, we can live on mission for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, we had the best time worshiping and learning with you guys today. We'd love to hear what you thought about today's service. Head over to churchexperience.tv connect. Bring your questions, your comments, your prayer requests. Love to hear from you. Love to get back to you. And we would love to be praying for you. We hope to see each and every one of you back here, not only for next week, but each week that follows of this Storyteller teaching series. But until then, we'll see you.